Everything is inspired by the teachings of His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami Prabhupada, who is the founder of the International Society for Krishna Consciousness. Om Aganati our topic today is not every battle is worth fighting. Many of the challenges that come our way in life are just distractions that keep us from our destiny. And I think you'll agree with me that in life there's lots of opportunities to get upset. Maybe a competitor is talking about us. Someone's spreading rumors at work. A spouse says something that you feel they shouldn't have. Ask yourself, if I engage in this battle, invest my time, my energy, trying to straighten someone out, arguing, defending myself, trying to prove that I'm right, even if I win the battle, what's going to be the prize? That person who cuts me off in traffic, if I cut him off, tip for tat, get upset, let that ruin the rest of my morning, how is that going to benefit me? I don't even know that person. Five minutes later, they're out of my life. What's the point? There's no profit. Can I tell you that the reason many people are missing out on God's or Krishna's best for them is because they get distracted into fighting battles that just don't matter. Trying to prove themselves to people, trying to win over all their critics, playing up to someone. Our message today is you need to choose your battles wisely. Don't go around with a chip on your shoulder in fight mode all of the time. We all know people like that, right? They're always in an uproar 24-7, upset with their spouse, going to straighten someone out at the office, trying to prove their point. I'm going to show them how wrong they are. It consumes them for days, weeks, months. The problem is that if we engage ourselves in every single provocation that comes along, then we're not going to have the energy to fight the battles that really do matter. We are supposed to be warriors. We are supposed to be fighters. But real warriors, they don't just fight any battle. They only fight those battles which have to do with them and their God-given destiny. If you know Arjuna's situation in the beginning of the Bhagavad Gita, the song of God, Arjuna wants to make triple-double sure that it's a righteous cause. Of course, if he were to win the war, he would attain sovereignty over the whole earth. There was immense material gain to be had from winning the war. He would get the kingdom, remove his enemies, thorns in his side, headed up by Duryodhan. But Arjuna didn't care about the material gain. He wanted to know if it was the right thing to do. He knew that winning the war would put him in a more comfortable position, but he wanted to know the answer to a different question. Will this build character? So we have to ask ourselves, do the battles that I've been engaged in in the past, and even at present perhaps, have any rewards? Many don't, but if they do have rewards, our message today is that the spiritual 
the eternal, as exemplified by Arjuna, is much, much better than the temporal. So you have to ask yourself, are the battles that I'm engaged in have rewards? In other words, are they furthering my God-given destiny? Or am I just fighting to pay someone back who offended my false ego or to prove to somebody that I really am important? Those are just distractions. Somebody doesn't want to be your friend. They don't want to accept you. They're rude to you at the office. They cut you off in traffic. It's just not worth starting World War III over. Don't engage in those battles. It doesn't matter in the end. When we get caught up in all these peddly little battles, the tragic thing is that we miss the great battles that Krishna has put into our path. You may know the story of Hanumanji. Hanuman, son of the wind, lord of the monkeys, Rama's best friend. You eliminate illusion and destroy all sin. You're known as Shiva's incarnation. Champion truth with the thunderbolt body, the mighty monkey god who embodies bhakti. You're the breath of Shakti and you achieve victory like the movie Rocky. You carry a club to smash the thugs. You're the perfect servant, the face of grace. And you make the whole demon race tremble when you roar. In the service of the Lord, you're the demon destroyer, also known as the mighty monkey warrior of compassion, action, devotion, and emotion. With the strength to leap the ninth of the ocean. When Hanuman was a child, he was the son of Anjana, monkey queen, and Bayu, the god of wind. From his very birth, he was possessed of immense strength. And one day, his mother gave him a little orange, which was round and orange. <laughs> he ate it was so good, he wanted another one. His mother wasn't around to give him another orange. So in his naivete, he looked up at the sky and he saw the sun. He said, oh, there's another orange. So being the son of the wind, he could travel anywhere. So he started to fly with the intention of plucking the sun out of the sky. And the demigods headed by Indra said, we can't have this. They hit him with a thunderbolt. They knocked him down. And when he hit the ground, he broke his jaw. That's where he got his name, Hanuman. It means one with a broken jaw. So the demigods had a power and they said, we've got to do something about this young kid because he could destroy the universe in his mischievousness. So they shrouded him with forgetfulness. In the future, he will have a great colossal Herculean monumental task to do on behalf of Lord Ram. But until then, we're going to cause him to forget his supernatural powers. So for many years, he just thought he was a monkey, no different than any other monkeys. And what was happening was he was saving his energy. He knew on some level that someday he would be anointed to do something great, never done before in the history of the world. But in the meantime, he was saving his energy, not wasting it, not getting it distracted. We're in the Kali Yuga, which is called the age of quarrel and hypocrisy. People are too easily offended. They're too touchy. Instead of letting it go, whole countries fall wholesale into the trap of fighting battles that don't really even matter. Blowing things out of proportion, magnifying them. Everybody's out to get me. Everybody's against me. Can I tell you? Nobody even knows you. What to speak of being out to get you. You're not that important. Our example from the Mahabharata is Duryodhana. 
He was always envious of his cousin brothers, Pondipus. In spite of their superior qualifications, their humility and their saintliness, he just couldn't stand to be second fiddle to the Pandavas. And when the Pandavas finally built a palace in Indrapast, constructed by the demon Maya and had an open house, Duryodhan, instead of staying with the tour group, in his pride, he thought, I'll go exploring on my own. So he came to one point where it looked like there was a little pond of water. And he lifted up his dhoti and he began to wave through what he thought was water. But it was an illusion created by the builder Maya. What looked like water was actually ground. So as Duryodhan was tiptoeing across this uh, marble floor, the ladies up on the balcony were tittering at him. <laughs> Later on, Duryodhan came to another part, still within view of the ladies, and it looked like solid ground, and he went plowing through it, and it was water, and he fell down, splashed himself, and Dropani, whom he had a particular crush upon, laughed at him. He got out of the water, and he started a whole world war just to show how he shouldn't have been ridiculed, how important he was just to get back at his enemies for laughing at him. Funny thing is, they weren't his enemies. They were his well-wishers, they were his friends. But Duryodhan had given himself wholly over to this age of quarrel and hypocrisy. You might say he ushered it in 5,000 years ago. He allowed himself to be a puppet of Kali. Not only was there no profit to the war that he caused, he got laid in the dust, ultimately food for the jackals and the vultures. Have you ever heard of anybody? Does this sound familiar? Somebody making a big deal out of a small, insignificant slight, saying, so-and-so owes me $10. Well, it's only $10. Why don't you forget? It's the principle of the thing. It's the principle. Well, here's a higher principle. There's some battles not worth fighting. Here's another principle. Life is too short, time is too valuable to get all bent out of shape over $10. I would go so far as to say, even if someone cheats you out of a million dollars, it's not worth trying to pay them back. Now let's ask ourselves, are we still fighting battles from years and years and decades ago, perhaps that have no real rewards, taking our time and energy and keeping us from pursuing the things that are really important, such as our God-given goals, our God-given dreams. Can we choose our battles wisely? We only have so much energy. And we get caught up in being upset and paying someone back, being agitated, feeling wrong. Then when the real challenge comes along, which is meant to push us up to our destiny, you're just not going to be up to it. We're not going to have the energy to win that battle. After Sita had been kidnapped by the evil Ravana and whisked to his kingdom in Lanka, 800 miles across the ocean, the monkeys sent out a search party to find her whereabouts, and they were told by the vulture Jatayu that they'd seen Ravana flying in his area chariot over the ocean in that direction. So rumors were that the island was 800 miles away, and somebody amongst the monkeys would have to jump 800 miles across the ocean to reconnoiter in Lanka. In this connection, there's a little ditty that kids in India sing about the inability of all the monkeys except for Hanuman to perform this task. 
It's big, big monkey, big, big belly, sea lion jumping, melancholy. Now, all the monkeys classify themselves as servants of Ram. They all wanted to get the glory, go and find Sita and report back to Ram. But they had not prepared themselves. Maybe too many chocolate chip cookies for dessert. Skipped the gym a few too many times. What had happened to them was somewhere along the way, they lost focus. They lost a vision of the future. They came to settle where they are, not thinking of any greater destiny out in front of them. But it was at this point, the bear, Jambu, went up to Hanuman and explained the story about how he had been shrouded in forgetfulness, and now this was his time. Hanuman Ji, you left Alanka to reassure Sita, don't worry about a thing, because Ram's going to free you. You burn down Lanka when your tail was on fire. You serve Lord Ram as your only desire. When Ram's little brother was about to die, without a second thought, you began to fly, searching for a cure high in the Himalayas. And when you weren't sure which herb to take him, homie, you brought the whole mountain back with one hand. That's why Hanuman, your Rama's best friend, you resembled Bhakti, the yoga of love. And that's why Ram gave you a great big old hug. You're the mighty monkey warrior of the epic Ramayana, repeating Ram's names, the holy Ram Nam singing Kirtan with the symbols in your hand going on and on like a one-man band singing Jai Ram, Si Ram, Jai Jai Ram, rocking on and on until the break of dawn. The Anuman had kept himself in preparedness, he had kept himself in readiness. Success is when preparedness meets opportunity. And that's why we read about Hanuman here thousands and thousands of years later in Spanish work. Utah. Point is, we only have so much energy, and if we get caught up in being upset and paying people back, then we won't have what it takes when our call comes. And so how many battles are we engaged in that have no such rewards? How many arguments are you instigating? How much tension are you bringing, for instance, into the home that could easily be avoided with some minor adjustments? And you may be right you may be winning the battle, but you're so battle-scarred. You're so jaded. You're so worn down. We've said things that we shouldn't have said. We've felt guilty about ourselves. Won so many battles, but we're sleeping in the garage. How many Pyrrhic victories have we had? Victories where we won the battle, but we lost the war. Think back about how you would have been better off to have taken the high road, been the better person, bit your tongue, and kept peace in the family. There's a saying amongst, I don't know, I guess old timers, a bulldog can whip a skunk any day, but it's not worth the stink. It's better to let someone else think they're right, even if they're not, but you want to keep peace in the home. And here's a point. It's so easy to start a fight, and it's so hard to stop it. It's easy to start an argument and then say things which offend people and be offended. We know we shouldn't do any of that, but just try to put on the brakes. Try to stop it. Here's a suggestion. It's better not even to start it in the first place. That's why it said, famously, avoiding a fight 
is a mark of honor. Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the saintly incarnation of Krishna, appeared to spread the chanting of Hare Krishna 500 years ago in Bengal. He allowed many people to criticize him. He allowed many people to mock him. His attitude was, keep criticizing, keep laughing, keep mocking. God will bless me for that. For every ignorant person that makes fun of you, Krishna will note it and you will rise higher. Critics are our friends. Thank them. If you want to enjoy your life, be a peacemaker. Be the kind of person who will avoid an unnecessary fight, a fight that's not going to produce any good rewards. Your home especially needs to be a place of peace. Your home needs to be in harmony. You are stronger together with your wife and your kids than you are apart. Not only that, as a parent, you need to set a good example for your kids. They're going to be parents and guess what? They're going to treat their kids exactly the way they see you treating your wife and your kids. And one thing you have to learn if you're modeling behavior for others is don't make a big deal out of small things. Remember all the reasons why you fell in love with that person in the first place. How many times divorce take place when one spouse leaves another spouse who has 80% of what they need, but they leave that spouse looking for the 20% that that spouse can't give them. But after a year or two with the second spouse, they realize that there's 20 to 30 to 40% that that spouse can't give them either. And it's true, the grass is greener on the other side, but it also needs mowing. If we're going to live in victory, we have to accept the fact that not everyone will like us, not everyone will approve of us, no matter what we do for them. I don't know if you've ever heard of the 25% rule. 25% of the people don't like you at first, but they could be persuaded to like you. 25% like you, and then they could be persuaded not to like you. 25% like you and celebrate you no matter what you do. They'll stand by you thick and thin. 25% will never like you no matter what. And when you realize that there is that 25% out there, can I tell you, it makes life easier knowing that some people won't like you no matter what you do. So you don't have to waste your time on them. The Pandavas did not dislike Duryodhana. They were his well-wishers, but he didn't like them. He didn't like the fact that they were taking up space on the planet. That was not their fault. Duryodhana was simply iron-hearted. Similarly, when we are preaching, Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare, we have to be prepared to accept opposition. We have to be prepared to accept ridicule. You can't be a preacher with thin skin. I remember one time we were in Australia. The city council in Melbourne decided they were going to kick the Hare Krishnas off the streets. So every time we went out chanting or we went out to sell a book, they'd come up and they'd give us a citation. And every once in a while when they got particularly zealous, they would bring the paddy wagon. They would stuff us all into a wagon and take us to jail for the afternoon. Prabhupada happened to have visited Australia just in the middle of all this and he was called onto a TV station. 
And the announcer said, Swami, your followers can't even go to the streets. They can't even show themselves without even getting arrested. What are you going to do? How are you going to fight back? How are you going to get even? You're going to do the lawyers? You're going to lawsuit? And he says, no, but just go to Japan. <laughs> if they don't want us here, we'll go somewhere else. That's what we said. End of story, you know. Thought, well, that was simple. <laughs> So here's the key, don't waste your time and energy playing up to others, trying to win their approval. You don't need others' approval to be who Krishna or God made you to be. These are just distractions. If you'll just let that go and not get involved in battles that don't matter, then Krishna is going to send you people who will not only approve you, but they'll celebrate you, your talents, your personality. You can relax and be the person that God made you to be. And that's the kind of person that Krishna will bring to you if you stop wasting your time catering after those who are not for you. The 25% who will never like you, it's got nothing to do with you. It's got to do with the fact that they're insecure. They have to push you down so that they'll look better. It's called minimize and equalize. They'll diminish who you are diminish your accomplishments so they won't look so small. But if you'll let it go and not bother about it, Krishna will bring people into your life who add value, who inspire you and challenge you, not take it away. The best way to answer your critics is not with your words, but your actions. Let them see the fruits of a life well lived. Emily Dickinson, in a poem, put it very nicely. Success is counted sweetest by those who ne'er succeed. To comprehend the nectar requires sorest need. Not one of all the purple host who took the flag today can tell the definition so clear of victory as he defeated dying on whose forbidden ear the distant strains of triumph burst agonized and clear. Do you think that anybody knew the meaning of victory better than Duryodhana? He'd spent his whole life conspiring against the God-conscious Pandavas and Krishna not only restored their kingdom to the Pandavas, but he let Duryodhana live long enough to see the Pandavas on the throne enjoying while he himself lay in the dust, surrounded by vultures and jackals. And that's why she says, not one of all the purple hosts who took the flag today can tell the definition so clear of victory as he defeated dying on whose forbidden ear the distant strains of triumph burst agonized and clear. Krishna will not only pay you back for the criticisms, he will give you a table at the banquet feast in the very eyes of those who try to destroy you. Once Teddy Roosevelt was asked the secret of success, he said, I don't know what the secret of success is, but I know what the secret of failure is. <laughs> Trying to please everybody. Be the best you can, run your race, and Krishna, God will take care of your critics. And when Krishna puts a dream, a goal in your heart, there are always going to be critics who are going to try to distract you, lure you into strife, talk you out of it, discourage you, take away your courage. You have to be disciplined enough to recognize those are not battles worth fighting. God is our vindicator, and he's going to bless us because of what they are saying. What they intend for your harm, Krishna is going to use to promote you. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Rama Hare Hare. 
You don't have to come down to your critics level. You have an assignment and a mission, a God-given destiny. All you have to do is just get more focused to see the major battles that Krishna wants you to fight, to see how the Lord is giving you greater opportunities, greater promotions, open doors. We don't have to get involved in battles, skirmishes, petty quarrels to prove to people who we are or to win over critics or to get people to like us. Those are all distractions. Just focus on the main goals that Krishna put into our heart. If we'll be disciplined to fight the battles that do matter, then we will see Krishna or God show up and show out in our life and do amazing things like Hanuman, you'll jump over the ocean like the Pandavas, you'll get your kingdom restored like Arjuna, you'll live a life of victory. That means that you'll accomplish your goals, you'll overcome every obstacle, and you'll see that every dream Krishna put into your heart, it will come to pass in this life and next life. You'll go back to home, back to Godhead. Does that sound any good to you? Raise your hands along with me. And let's all say it together. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna. Hare Hare. Hare Rama. Hare Rama. Rama Rama. Hare Hare. Thank you very much.